All right, hello, and welcome to the Nursing It podcast. I'm your host, David Larson, and today I'll be going over some disorders of motor function. So that's going to include stuff like multiple sclerosis, ALS, Parkinson's, um, and myasthenia gravis disease. That's a tongue twister, I'll say that much. Before I begin, I would like to remind listeners that if you have any questions regarding past topics or want me to go over something in a future podcast, please email me at nursingandpodcast.gmail.com and I'll make sure to address your questions. With that said, sit back, relax, and let's jump right into a really quick review around what even is motor function and the motor system in general. So the motor system is part of the cortical spinal tract and it goes to the motor cortex and it goes to the muscles and it and this tract goes from the cortex of our brain to our spinal cord via the motor cortex and it causes us to allows us to move our body. Now within that tract there's the extrapyramidal system which is made of uh, basal ganglions and these help uh, support our crude supportive movement patterns. So that's something like our static posture movements, also some involuntary movement uh, processes. Uh, there's also a pyramidal system, and this is more for our voluntary movements, so like our precise anatomical movements. Now, this can be affected by stroke, such as paralysis to our extremities and stuff like that. So just keep that in mind. There's upper and lower motor neurons. Upper motor neurons are part of the pyramidal cells of the gyrus and descend in the spinal cord. Lesions will actually lead to paralysis of this area and affect our movement, not and not affects our movement, not our muscles. So there's no muscle atrophy. As opposed to the uh, lower motor neurons where um, it goes uh, from our upper motor neuron to our lower, lower motor neuron to our skeletal muscle, and a lesion will actually cause muscle wasting and hypotonicity there. So what does that really mean? So muscle atrophy can occur with uh, decreased use or due to lesions of paralysis, which will cause the diameter of your muscle fibers to decrease and lose protein filaments. Now, there are disorders such as Duchenne muscular dystrophy, where uh, there is what is called pseudohypertrophy. Now, pseudohypertrophy is a kind of muscle muscular dystrophy where uh, the muscle tissue is not engaged from the nervous system. So this is going to lead to muscle atrophy, but not only that, there's going to be fat tissue and connective tissue that replace the muscle. So you might have an increase in size, but you're not going to have the increase in strength. And with Duchenne muscular dystrophy, this, mus this pseudo hypertrophy occurs first in the hips and the shoulders, and then it moves on to the cast, calves, and then um, it basically leads to a lot of problems down the line. This is actually evident two to three years after your birth. And you'll see it in children who have frequent falls or muscular weakness. And what can happen is later on, uh, it starts to affect your respiratory muscles. So it can lead to distress in that way. All right. So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense. And let's hop into some of these disorders.
So we're going to start off here with multiple sclerosis first, which is a permanent destruction of uh, the myelin sheath of the central nervous system. So what happens with this, it's a chronic disease with exacerbation and remission, and it leads to paralysis, vision loss, and a decrease in brain function. So basically, it's a progressive motor disease that affects the upper and lower motor neurons. So there are stages. The first stage is where you have acute inflammation and small lesions, and this is more so due to antibodies or antigen reaction because it can be autoimmune related. Second stage is when it gets chronic, and that's what happens when demyelination and gliosis occurs or scar tissue formation leading to the decrease in transmission impulse. And clinically, what will manifest is you'll get motor dysfunction and sensory dysfunction and central nervous system dysfunctions leading to blurred vision, dysphagia, and, and later on, parathesia, and depending on how bad it can get, the delamyelination, your entire ability to move is affected. So late into the disease, as mentioned, you're going to get things like paraplegia, incontinence, and intent, uh, unintentional tremoring, nystagmus, speech disorders, and vision loss. So this is a very serious disease, and unfortunately, as of right now, there's no real cure for it. So something that a lot of healthcare professionals are looking into. The next that we're going to look into here is ALS, also known as amotrophic lateral sclerosis, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease for the famous New, Yankee, New, Year, New York Yankees uh, first baseman in baseball. So this is a degenerative disorder of the upper motor neurons and the lower motor neurons leading to progressive muscle wasting. Basically, the message from the brain to the muscles is cut. So what happens here is you get muscular atrophy, leading to respiratory failure and death. Um, and what happens is uh, how we can diagnose this is either through an EMG or muscular biopsy or a spinal tap. So this is a very, very serious one. Now let's jump into kind of some basal ganglion disorders, specifically Parkinson's disease. So as mentioned, the basal ganglion um, is part of the extrapyramidal system for crude and supportive movement patterns. So it helps with organization of inherited and highly learned autotomic uh, movement patterns. So things as simple as tying a shoe, stuff like that. And there are four common pathways of the basal ganglion. There's a dopamine pathway, a GABA pathway, an acetylcholine pathway, and just the general protein stem to serotonin, norepinephrine pathways. Now, with Parkinson's disorder, there is actually a degeneration of the basal ganglion. So what you'll get is involuntary movements of tremors, rigidity, tics, uh, chorea, um, uh, dyskinesia or bradykinesia, um, and you get this hand movement and uncontrolled movement patterns that is progressive, which is caused by the progressive degeneration of the basal ganglia and the dopamine pathway within it. Very, very scary stuff. Now, there are some drugs that help 
with this pathway, and I'll talk about them right now. So there are some that try to increase the effect of the dopamine that you have in your body. So this drug would be levodopa, and the mechanism of action is a precursor of dopamine. So it helps because, as mentioned, the Parkinson's disease is a progressive degeneration of the dopamine pathway. So you, you want to have more dopamine to hopefully prevent this. Now, some adverse effects of this include some uh, orthostatic hypertension that you have to be cautious of, and even depression and nausea and vomiting. So you have to be very, very careful of that. Now, another form of treatment is where you can try to delay dopamine breakdown in your neurotransmitter synapses. And this is done by uh, drugs such as intacopone, which is a catechol-O-methyltransferase. Now, that's a lot of words. Uh, basically, what this does is it delays dopamine breakdown and, and so that you have more of it, but it has a similar adverse effects of drugs that increase the effect of dopamine. Having a lot of dopamine has negative effects as well, so you have to take that into consideration with the uh, treatment process and especially you know you're trying to maintain the dignity and the life of this individual as much as you can so you're trying to be as helpful as you can with the process for sure so now that we're done with parkinson's disease let's jump into the tongue twister of a, of a disease myasthenia gravis nice i did a good job with that one so this is a disorder of transmission at the neuromuscular uh, junction. So basically, there's a decrease in communication between motor neurons and innervated muscles. So this is considered an autoimmune disease, where antibodies are mediated uh, to and will attack and destroy acetylcholine receptors in the neuromuscular junction. So signs and symptoms with this will include weakness around the eye muscles first, you start to have difficulty swallowing, and then you get a slurred speech. And as it progresses, it will go into a decrease in muscle strength and can eventually lead to re respiratory failure. Now, when it gets to that point, this is called a myasthenia crisis. And patients here need to be intubated with a mechanical ventilator to help them breathe. It's very scary stuff. So the diagnosis for this disease is doing a anti-acetylcholine receptor antibody check or doing a tension test. This is where we test the muscle strength and see if it increases or see if there's a breakdown of acetylcholine um, and stuff like that. So treatment of this is using things like cholinesterase inhibitors, corticosteroids, um, stuff like that to help with the process. You could also use, do, use uh, monoclonal antibodies uh, to help destroy the, uh, the underlying cause, which is the antibodies with this immune response. All right, now let's jump away from that and talk about some peripheral neuropathy. So this is any disorder of the peripheral nerves where you'll get muscle weakness with or without um, atrophy and sensory changes. So you'll, and I'll explain how you'll see this. 
So you could have mononeuropathy, which is like localized due to a trauma or compression or fracture of a bone, or polyneuropathy with demyelination, accident degeneration of multiple nerves. So you see that with diabetes, which is more metabolic. Uh, you could see that with multiple sclerosis diseases, or you could see that with certain toxins, toxic agents like alcohol, lead, and arsenic. So as mentioned, this is an immune mechanism at times, and what can one of the immune mechanisms of neuropathy could be Guillain-Barre syndrome. So this is a similar an autoimmune disease where it attacks the myelin sheath in the peripheral nerves. So slightly different from multiple sclerosis as this attacks the peripheral nerves. So the first symptom of this is you'll get tingling and muscle wasting in the lower extremities. And eventually what can happen with Guillain-Barre syndrome is you can lead to full body paralysis. And this is a rapid development um, and it can happen within two to three weeks, which is kind of scary, I think. So let's uh, walk away from that and talk about spinal cord injuries now. So of course, spinal cord injuries is anything that has a damaging to your vertebral column or uh, anything that uh, supporting your ligaments of your spinal cord. So what can happen is things like spinal shock, where you get temporary loss of all spinal reflex activity. And stuff like this um, can occur and be permanent with things like a C4 to C6 injury where you'll get tetraplasia or a C6 to L1 injury where you'll get paraplasia. So it really depends on where the spinal cord injury arises. Now there are also incomplete spinal cord injuries. So these are uh, injuries such as central cord syndrome where you get loss of motion and sensation in arms and hands anterior cord syndrome, where you get motor dysfunction, but only about 10 to 20% of the motor recovery. brown sequard syndrome, where you get weakness and paralysis and hemiplegia of one side of the body. So that's a, good, that's a scary one. And then there's conus medullaris syndrome, where you get back pain and bladder dysfunction and bilateral sensory loss. Now, the final disorder we're going to talk about in this podcast is the muscle spasms that I'm sure we've experienced before. So this could, is just an involuntary muscle contraction. This can be tonic or clonic, and it can be any muscle. And it's often due to disorders of the central nervous system or of uh, electrolyte imbalances, such as hypernatremia or hypertonicity, stuff like that. Um, so to help with some of these muscle spasms, here's some pharmacology to end this episode off. You can use NSAIDs, which relieve the pain and inflammation associated with spasms. Uh, skeletal muscle relaxants, such as baclofen, which inhibit excitatory neuro neurotransmitters in the spinal cord to relax the muscles. Or benzodiazepines, which also stimulate the GABA receptors, decreasing, decreasing um, excitatory neurotransmitters. There's also alpha-2 adrenergic agonists, such as tizanidine. These inhibit alpha motor neurons in the spinal cord to treat MS spasms, or, uh, which some of you have probably heard, botulism toxin A. So botulism 
uh, or Botox, as an example, prevents acetylcholine release by alpha motor neurons. Uh, and in low doses, this is cosmetic. In high doses, botulism toxin can be fatal and toxic. And with that, that would be the end of this episode. Next episode, we're going to jump into mood disorders. So we're going to be talking about depression. We're going to be talking about bipolar disorder. Um, and it should be a really, really good and fun episode. As always, you can contact me at nursingpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll make sure to take the time to answer any of your hard-hitting questions. I hope you all had as much fun listening to this podcast as I had making it, and I wish you all a happy rest of your day. Until next time, I'm David Larson. I look forward to talking with you all soon. Take care now.